In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Today the Church celebrates the wonderful feast, the solemnity of St. Joseph. And there's so much to learn from St. Joseph. Lord, in our prayer today, we can reflect on his, on his person, reflect on his relationship with you, and try to take away some lessons for our own prayer life, for our own, for our own life. We can look at the Gospel of Luke, where we see a scene in Jesus' life in which Joseph plays a big role. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. The first thing perhaps we can take from this scene is the lesson of the importance of giving other people freedom, giving other people the chance to make their own choices, the chance even to get themselves and to get us into a certain amount of trouble. It's striking, isn't it, that Jesus is gone for a whole day before Our Lady and St. Joseph start worrying about him or start to wonder where he is, to notice that he's not with the company. This means that they gave him freedom. They trusted him to make good decisions. Obviously, it's a different world. We can't just leave a 12-year-old <laughs> alone for an entire day uh, as as they clearly could when they were traveling with that group of relatives and friends back to um, back to Nazareth from Jerusalem. Yet nevertheless, we do see that there is a certain space that they give to Jesus. There's a certain amount of freedom of movement and freedom of decision that they that they grant him. They trust him enough to let him make choices and let him have his own initiative. And we as as parents and as guides for others, each one of us in one way or another is responsible for other people, either in our family life or in our vocation or in our job. We have to learn from this that we can't control those under us. We have to form them well. We have to help them to know right from wrong, help them to know how to do their jobs, and then give them freedom, give them enough room, responsibility, initiative to do their own thing. And yes, they're going to make mistakes. And yes, that might complicate our life as it complicated the life of Mary and Joseph in this scene. But still, it's important. It's important that we don't uh, try to dominate or control those in our care. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. 
And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. For three days, Mary and Joseph have to look for Jesus. For three days, Lord, you let them experience your absence. For three long days, they had to keep looking and perhaps question themselves in the heart whether they had done something wrong, whether they were at fault, whether they were negligent. And this is so good for us to see, Lord, that you treat the holiest people after you, the holiest people ever to walk the face of the earth, that you let them have this experience of your absence, that you let them lose you, and they have to seek you. They have to look for you. They have to wonder where you are. This is very helpful because this will happen to us in our life. This will happen to us in our prayer life, in our life of faith. There will be moments when we feel far from God. There will be moments when we feel far from God and we don't know why. We don't know why he seems to be hiding, why he is not influencing us in the same way that he used to, why his presence isn't as palpable or real to us as it used to be. And like Mary and Joseph, we have to just keep going, keep looking for him, persevering in our faith, persevering in our prayer life. Lord, whether we lose you because of our own sinfulness or we lose you because you withdraw your presence from us, doesn't really matter. We, we, we need to have the same response to keep living, to keep moving, to keep looking for our Lord. And eventually, like Mary and Joseph, we will, we will find him. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. In this one line, Our Lady reveals to us the incredible nature of St. Joseph's vocation. St. Joseph truly is, in so many ways, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know he's not the biological father, or what we, we would call the natural father, but he certainly is the father, culturally, legally, religiously, even psychologically, he plays a role as father in Jesus' life, Jesus who has a true and real and full human nature and human experience. Your father and I. What a tremendous responsibility, Lord, St. Joseph must have felt in fulfilling this role. He must have felt that he was in over his head, that this was, that this was uh, beyond his pay grade. This is too much, it, 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 too much responsibility, too great a task. And yet, what do we see Joseph do? Joseph is a great example of courage and resilience in living his vocation. He steps up to the task. He does his best. He doesn't shirk the responsibility. He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, you know, Mary, you're much holier than I am. You're his mother. You have that special grace of being the mother of God. So you take care of Jesus and I'll just work and, uh, and take care of the house. No, the gospel says very clearly after this scene 
He went down with them. Jesus went down with them, Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. So not only does Mary affirm Joseph's role, saying, your father and I have been looking for you, but also the gospel goes on to say that Jesus was obedient to them, not just to his mother, but also to St. Joseph. What a responsibility Joseph had to make rules for the Son of God. Joseph had to tell the Son of God what to do. Joseph had to teach and take care of the Son of God, God himself, and God's mother, Our Lady. And again, Joseph doesn't run from this. He doesn't, he doesn't shrink from this. He doesn't try to put it off or, or hide from the responsibility. He steps up with courage. He steps up with generosity, with resoluteness, and, and does what he needs to do. Now, of course, in this, he's also a model of great trust, that he has the sense that if God has given me this vocation, if God has given me this responsibility, then God is going to help me do it, and I can do it with his help. So I'm going to try my best. I'm going to I'm going to step up and give my best effort in this day by day. But at the same time, I'm going to be totally trusting in God to help me. The name Joseph is actually enlightening in this regard. Joseph means God adds or God will add. Joseph, in his very name, has this sense that that I'm going to try my best. I'm going to be this just man as the gospel describes him. But at the same time, I'm trying my best with this consciousness, with this realization that God adds, that God provides, that God makes up for the difference, that this task, surely it's beyond me humanly, but I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing this with our Lord. And this is so helpful for us to to reflect on each one of us when we take our Christian vocation seriously. Each one of us will realize at one time or another in our life that we're in over our head that the responsibility seems too great for our own efforts or our own talents. No matter what our vocation is, there will come times when we feel outmatched by the situation or by the responsibility that God has given to us. And here we need to imitate St. Joseph. On the one hand, to step up, to be resolute, to be courageous, to face those responsibilities, to take them on with the best of our ability and with all of our human resources. And at the same time, combining that effort, combining that personal responsibility, backing it up with a tremendous trust in God, with the sense that God adds, God will provide. God will make up the difference. If he's given me this vocation, he's given me these responsibilities, he's going to help me to live them. He's going to help me to take them on. We can ask St. Joseph, Joseph, help us to be brave. Help us to be courageous. Help us to be trusting. Help us to realize that checking out is not an option for us. Help us to avoid that false trap of distracting ourselves from our problems, hiding out either in rest or sometimes in work from our family problems or from our work problems. Help us to avoid those, those pitfalls of of trying to escape and deaden the weight of our responsibility in life through 
excessive entertainment or through the abuse of alcohol or food or drugs or sex or whatever, all those different ways that people have of trying to check out, of trying to escape, of trying to hide out from their responsibilities. Joseph, help us to be like you, to step up with trust in God and to do and to do our very, very best. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. Another wonderful experience of St. Joseph that is so helpful for us in our prayer life. The gospel says here that they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. Mary and Joseph, the two greatest saints in the history of the church, the holiest people to walk the, the, the face of the earth after our Lord Jesus Christ himself, don't understand God's plan. At least at this point, they don't get it. They don't understand, Lord, why you left them. They don't understand why you made them look for you for three days. They don't understand why you put them through this, what you're doing to them. Our Lord tries to explain it with these questions. Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? And they don't get it. This is very important for us to reflect on. This means that we don't always have to understand God's plans. We don't always have to figure everything out. It's not necessary for holiness. Therefore, it's not necessary for our happiness. It's not necessary for being pleasing to God to always understand and totally get what God is up to or what God is doing. Our Lady here doesn't get it. St. Joseph here doesn't get it. What do they do? Well, they trust. They they make up for their lack of understanding by trusting in God's plan and by trusting God. And how do they trust? Well, they just keep living their vocation and they keep reflecting on things. And they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. So what do they do when they don't get it? What do they do when they don't understand? They just keep living their life. They keep trying to do what what they know that God wants them to do. To be the parents of Jesus. To be husband and wife to each other. To do God's will. And they realize, well, this is a moment of trust. We don't understand, but there, but there has to be a reason, and we're, and we're trusting God. And part of that trust is was built up by the fact that they had already lots of evidence of God's love for them, lots of evidence of God's care for them. They had experienced the Annunciation, the Incarnation of our Lord by the Holy Spirit. They had experienced our Lord's birth, the visit of the Magi. They had experienced God's ordinary and extraordinary providence when they fled into Egypt and then came back from Egypt. So they had they had a kind of um, a kind of record, uh, a kind of storehouse of God's grace of God's care for them. And so in this moment when they don't get it, they have enough reasons built up already to keep trusting God, even though they don't see the point 
of his plan right now, or the point of this particular part of his plan right now. And Lord, in your presence, we can consider, isn't the same true for each Christian? Isn't the same true for each one of us? That we've all had experiences of of God's favor, of his grace in our life. We've all had experiences of God's goodwill towards us, of times when he helped us. And and that should build up a fund of trust in our heart and a fund of trust in our memory. So that when we come to those crosses, those times that are more difficult for us to live through, we have reasons to trust. I don't understand, Lord, what you're doing right now. I don't understand why this particular challenge, why this particular problem at work or my family or my own personal life. But I know that you love me because I've experienced it, because I've seen it before. And so even though I don't understand, I'm going to trust. And if we always understood, right, exactly why God was letting this happen and exactly why and how it's going to work out for our good, right? If we always got it, if we always got everything, well, there'd be no room for trust. There'd be no room for faith, which pleases God so much. And actually, the only the only being that always understands everything, that always gets everything, is God himself. Even Jesus in his humanity seems not to always get everything. This same gospel passage tells us that Jesus grew. It specifically says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. In his humanity, therefore, to increase in wisdom means that he has to move from knowing less to knowing more. So even Jesus doesn't always get everything in his humanity. He doesn't always know everything in his humanity. And even Jesus, at times, has to trust in God's plan. In the agony of the garden, he prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And so in that moment, it seems like, well, there's an element of doubt whether this is good for him, whether this should be experienced. And he expresses that to, to God the Father. If it's possible, let's come up with a different plan, right? This <laughs> seems too hard right now. It doesn't make too much sense. On the cross, Jesus asks a question, which seems to imply that, again, he doesn't, at least in his humanity, he doesn't entirely get it. He's trusting, he's doing it, but he doesn't get it. He asks, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why so much suffering? Why this death? And he trusts, and and he keeps living it. He keeps doing what he needs to do. But it seems like his trust has to kind of go beyond his level of knowledge. Lord, help us to learn this lesson. This lesson that St. Joseph teaches us. This lesson that Our Lady teaches us. And even this lesson that you teach us. That we don't always need to know. We're on a need-to-know basis, we could say. Right? We're on a need-to-know basis. If we really need to know something, God will let us know. If we really need to know something, well, we can, we can figure it out. But we don't have to, we don't have to force it when things are part of God's plan that, that are hidden from us. 
what we always need to do is to trust and to love and to live our vocation. And I think this is helpful for uh, many of us in today's world, many Christians in today's world. Because the, the, the harder things are to understand in the world, like what's happening politically and what it means or what's happening in the church and what it means and what particular moment of history we're going through, the harder things are, are to understand, um, the more we can, we can uh, feel insecure and uncertain about what's happening. And there's a danger there. The danger there is that we can use our faith and we can use scripture and we can use our prayer life as a kind of way of just figuring things out, of coming up with an explanation for things so that we can feel more secure, so that we can feel more safe. And the danger there is that if it's not done with, with, with faith, with, with trust, is that it can become a kind of Gnosticism. It can become a kind of a special knowledge in which we come up with the theory or we come up with the insight or receive the insight in which everything makes sense. And when that happens, you know, we can kind of um, fall into also <laughs> a kind of self-righteousness, right? that we're on the right side because we figured out what's really happening in the church. We figured out what's really happening in the world. And people who haven't figured it out well, poor people, but they're kind of lost, right? We're saved, they're lost. And the difference is this special knowledge, right? This gnosis. So Lord, help us to be careful. Help us not to fall into too much reliance on on extraordinary revelations, too much reliance on on prophets or seers, because what really matters is that we is that we live the gospels, that we have faith in the gospel, we have faith in you, Lord. We have faith in your church and the teachings of the church that we try to love everyone, no matter how mistaken they are in their views, that we try to pray for those who we know are uh, pushing things that perhaps we don't agree with or or perhaps that are objectively wrong, right? Um, Unjust laws, that we don't um, fall into a kind of Gnostic partisanship where we're in the right because we have the right explanation and everyone else is wrong because they don't. And all of that can can kind of come out of this mistaken um, need to know, right? That we think, well, if, if I'm Christian and I believe, well, I need to like come up with a theory that explains everything, that explains exactly what's happening to me and to the world. And that's just simply not the case, right? If our, <laughs> if our lady didn't need to know at all times, how everything was falling into place. And St. Joseph didn't need to know at all times how everything was falling into place. Well, then you and I certainly don't need to know at all times how everything is falling into place either. We can live with a certain amount of darkness. We can live with a certain amount of ignorance because that allows and opens up the space for trust, for trust in God's providence, for trust in God's care, for trust in the teaching of our Lord and the teaching of the church. St. Joseph is a wonderful model, Lord, for how to live our vocation. When we look at his life, we look at his relationship with you, we see this incredible flexibility. St. Joseph is up for anything. All these changes happen to him and he just keeps on 
trying to respond, trying to do the right thing. When the gospels open, Lord, he's, he's betrothed to your mother, Mary. He's the luckiest man in the world, right? He has the greatest, the greatest catch ever. He's, he is betrothed to the queen of angels. And then he finds that, that Mary is with child. And so he pivots. He tries to do the right thing given a very difficult situation. The gospel says, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to put her away quietly. So given the, the situation of Our Lady, Joseph does the best thing he can, makes, comes up with the best plan that he can. And then resolved to do that and perhaps putting it into effect, an angel shows up and says, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. The child conceived in her is, is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph pivots again. He doesn't insist on, on his plan. He does what God wants. He takes her as his wife. A census is called, and Joseph, being a good citizen, does what he thinks he should do. He, he goes to be enrolled in Bethlehem, the town of David, his ancestor. And in doing that, and being a good citizen, he takes Mary along with him, and thus is an instrument to fulfill God's will, the prophecy that our Lord will be born in Bethlehem, the town of David. Getting to Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary are planning on staying in the inn. And again, Joseph has to pivot. He has to be resourceful. He has to be flexible because the inn is full. And so what do they do? They don't get upset. They don't despair. They move. They find a place. They find a way. They go to that stable, that cave, and they clean it out and they and they make it the best possible place that they can for our Lord to be born in. There's no verse in the gospel that says, and then Joseph beat the daylights out of the innkeeper for not <laughs> making room for his wife and his child about to be born. Right? There's no indication that Joseph flips out and gets angry. Maybe he got a little bit angry and Our Lady had to restrain him. But no, what, what he does is, okay, well, this is, the, this is an obstacle. What do I do now? My plan isn't working out. Let's be detached from my plan. To do, to do the best thing given the situation. They settle down in Bethlehem for a little bit and then they're warned by an angel to flee, to run because Herod seeks the life of the child. And so Joseph, once again, detached from his plans, doing what circumstances require him to do in order to fulfill his vocation. He puts Our Lady first. He puts Our Lord first. They move to Egypt Joseph there must have had the experience that many of us have of having to find work, of having to to drum up business, of having to start over in a new situation, a new place as a migrant. And he does it. And then it's time to move back to uh, Israel. And he wants to settle in Judea, but he's warned again that, that the powers that be there are not friendly uh, towards our Lord. And so he uh, moves back to Nazareth. Again, we see this detachment from his own plans, this detachment from his own uh, preferences, this total flexibility. doesn't matter where I work. doesn't matter how long I stay here, how long I stay there. The only thing that matters to me is that I'm trying to do God's will, is that I'm trying to take care of my son, Jesus, is that I'm trying to 
be a good husband to my wife, Mary, is that I'm trying to live my vocation. I'm trying to do God's will. And so that firmness, that firmness of purpose, that inflexibility that he has with regard to what's essential, to what's important, leads him to be extremely flexible, extremely detached from secondary uh, circumstances or from secondary considerations. Lord, by contrast, how touchy I am with things that don't really matter that much, how sensitive I am with things that um, are superficial or secondary, that I get my own way, that things are just the way I like them, that things turn out to be the way I expected, that all my comforts are, are ready to hand for me to enjoy, and how much I can lose my peace, Lord, and even lose charity when things aren't the way that I want, when things don't turn out the way that I expected, when all my comforts aren't just so in the proper place and, and, and ready, ready to hand, ready for me to enjoy. Lord, help me to be more like St. Joseph, inflexible with what's essential, totally dedicated to what I need to do to fulfill your will, totally dedicated to taking care of the people you've entrusted to me in my vocation, and totally flexible and totally detached from everything else, not affected by, by, the, by the details. Right? Not sweating the small stuff, as we say. Don't sweat the, don't sweat the small stuff. San Jose Maria, one of his one of his favorite aspirations. I like to call it a secular aspiration. But he used to say in Spanish, no pasa nada. Right? When something went wrong, he would say, No pasa nada. Which literally means um, nothing happens, right? Nothing is happening. And the better translation is it doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't matter. So what? Nothing that happens to me, nothing that I have to change, nothing that nothing that I could be missing, right, really matters as long as I'm doing God's will, as long as I'm trying to live my vocation, live up to it and trust in God, nothing else matters. Who cares? Right? Who cares? No pasanada. We go to Our Lady and we ask her to help us to learn and apply these lessons that her spouse, St. Joseph, teaches us to keep looking for God whenever he seems to have moved or whenever we seem to have lost him. To step up to the plate in our responsibilities, not to shirk or hide or run from things that seem difficult to us if they're part of God's plan for us. At the same time to do that, relying on God, Joseph, God adds, God provides. Our Lady, Mother of God the Son, Spouse of Joseph, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother. St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.